Hey there, cats and kittens. Welcome to Bang on the Strillers, the podcast where I, rock cabaret singer-songwriter Geraldine Quinn, chat to champions of cabaret, burlesque, musical comedy and the like. You see, I got a little tired of podcasts featuring only comedians, wondrous though they can be. It struck me that I had an awful lot of clever and amusing friends who never get interviewed as often. So why not pop round to their houses and stick microphones in their faces? So I did just that. In fact, I was assaulting friends with audio equipment in the facial area before this podcast even had a name, as will become evident during the course of this conversation with my first guest, singer, songwriter, actor, writer, and all-round charmer, Mr. Mike McLeish. See if you can tell how many copies he made me before we started. Wicker chairs was a good plan. Yeah. Oh, do you want to get different chairs? No, that's all right. We're not going to wriggle around that much, are we? I won't wriggle around at all. all right. I'm not um, even going to wriggle. I don't even a tiny have bit. an introduction or anything. Doesn't matter. Just you don't go, need oh one. my god, mate! <laughs> oh my <laughs> god, G curious. Oh my god, it's more McLeish. Mark, Mark McLeish. That's the best pronunciation ever. Oh no, I went to school in Daniel, mate. Ah. Oh my god, did you not know that? Did they teach you racism? <laughs> We had gangs. Gang, proper dandy gangs. We had proper, yeah, we had a gang named after my postcode, 3174. And was that written all over the side of trains and stuff? Yeah. Did anyone get it tattooed on their neck? I don't know. Because otherwise it's just a piss sweet gang. I've got the feeling you're not taking this seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Dandenong was a dangerous place in the 90s, thank you very much. And the late 80s. I believe you. I was on a train once coming back from, um, from high school. Uh, had to catch a train from Dandenong Station to Noble Park. So it's like two stops. Mm. And there was this woman who used to... This, sorry, a bit of backstory. Sure. There was a woman who used to always be hanging around and she was a kind of... I couldn't tell how old she was. It's difficult to tell ages when you're actually <laughs> young yourself. You think everyone who's 30 yeah, is yeah, Anyone who's over about 25 is just old. So old. And this one, she was just very hard to place. Never in a uniform. So she was out of school or she'd left school or whatever. But she had... We kind of used to chat to her as a bit of a character. She had a bit of a kind of mullet, um, a heavy set, shorter woman, white, mousy hair, and she sort of talked. And we'd kind of chat back, but there was an element of, you might hurt us. Yeah, right. If we do the wrong thing. Okay. Um, so you always your weight distribution was ready to bolt just in case. We had a feeling this was like an animal that needed to be slightly humid. Sure. Um, okay. Uh, but we ran into her a lot, and we were in Catholic school, so we were in uniform. It was yeah. Really clear. And one day we got on the train and uh, coming home from school, and we see this woman, this other woman who was sitting there um, again, just like yeah, just looked like an office worker, maybe twenty five years old, and pale skin and, and blue eyes that were completely bloodshot because she was weeping oh. and the cause of her crying was quite evident on her face. Her lip was about an inch and a half fat. She'd been punched in the face and we've come up and gone, oh my God, are you all right? Are you okay? And she's like hysterical, can't quite, <laughs> yeah. that sort of crying, yeah. which is hurting because her lips split. You know, and we're trying to work out what the hell happened. Turns out, she points out the window, the woman, the dangerous caged animal woman that we'd always thought something's going to go at some point, has walked up to her, a complete stranger, and said, Oi, stop fucking looking at my boyfriend, and punched her in the face. And that's the sort of thing we saw all the time coming home from from Dandenong School. 
It wasn't Dandenong oh. School, but it was the School of Dandenong. Wow. That's, uh, well, I grew up on the main streets of South Yarra. <laughs> so um, sometimes, you know, I'd get a bruised banana in my smoothie. That's <laughs> about as hardcore as it got. <laughs> there can... was a halfway house on you... Park Street around the corner of St. Martin's Theatre and there were some, there were some weirdos it's there. Getting it's getting better. <laughs> <laughs> the halfway house on the on the on the corner of St Martin's Theatre. Where <laughs> yeah, around the corner from St Martin's. So there was this mix of, um, <laughs> you know, young people who didn't really want to be doing drama classes, but their parents thought it'd be good for their self esteem. Okay. And then, and there were there were these bunch of people who were straight out of prison, straight into this halfway house, smack in the middle of Lardy Dar, southeastern Melbourne suburbs. And by the time I got to year twelve, so we're talking. 92 was when I was when I finished year 12. Mm-hmm. Um, that place was gone. There had been enough complaints from the Lardy Dar locals that they got it shut down. The halfway house yeah. is gone. That yeah. just sounded like a community grant, arts grant waiting to happen to mix those two establishments. Yeah, I know. No one was thinking ahead. Children and prisoners and Could have made a, made a documentary about that. I don't know. That should be all over SBS in a matter of months. Transition. I did a gig in Kerrang once with uh, when the drought just after the droughts. So there was a lot of money that was going to regional areas to um, put just to build up community. Yeah. So they got this this grant and um, a couple of Adelaide comedians sort of put this show together and said, "Hey, do you want to come over and do it?" And they were friends of mine. I was like, "Yeah, I'd love to." And it was great. It was like a ladies' night. There were a couple of eventful things that happened. One was one of the poor waiters. It was it was a ladies' night, comedy night, crossed with a fashion and raffle. But sure. Everything you can think of. And there was a vintage stall probably as well. And it well. was catered. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the poor waiters was walking around uh, with a massive tray of, of food and didn't see the catwalk for the fashion show. And oh. I hit the corner and went down like a ton of bricks. I felt very bad for her. Um, there was a bunch of red hat ladies there. Have you heard of the Red Hat Ladies? Is that another Dandenong gang <laughs> no, you're talking about? <laughs> the Red Hat Ladies. I, I wish. I don't know what that is. The Red Hat Ladies. It's like a society of 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 women who... Just have, if they're Scientologists, just call them Scientologists. They're not, they're not Scientologists. <laughs> and it's not a euphemism for any bodily functions <laughs> okay. at all. But there was... I'm going to have to look it up on my phone because I can't explain it well. But that... It's 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 a, a social group. Yeah, it's like a, it's it's a little social group that um, is kind of an excuse to get together. Uh, probably what mothers groups do, but not that I'd know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just less hats, more babies. The Red Hat Society uh, was founded in 1998. It's in California. It's a social organisation um, for women over 50. They have a logo. Look, Red Hat Society. Why is there? There's a Purple thing coming out of the red hat. Oh, purple and women. That's like, that's a thing as well. It's a thing. That's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, but anyway, that I just think of Easter whenever somebody has purple going on. So it's the, it's the oh, yeah. vestments. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so there's a bunch of red hat ladies there uh, who came to the night in this weird Kerrang gig. And they knew my uncle, who's a priest. And yep. he was the parish priest in Kerrang for years. And they're like, oh, Father Pete, so I was like the most popular. I did make that sound a bit like they were all cockatoos then, didn't I? A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Either that or it sounds like Father Pete might have had some groupies. I'm not, I'm not surprised if he did. He's, he was a very popular priest. That's a good thing to be. Leave it. 
<laughs> anyway, this, so I was popular in the bar afterwards when they found out I was related. And um, I was chatting to the barman and it's like, I say, what's Karang known for? All the questions I probably should have asked to get material before <laughs> the gig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's a motel attached to this bar. So that's, it's like, like venue and motel and bar yeah. all in this one kind of weird regional place. Not weird. Karang's not weird. I mean, you know the kind of thing I'm talking about. And I said, "Why? What's Kerrang actually known for? Is it an industry, or this, that, and the other?" And he sort of went, "Oh, not much." And this is his words, mind you. Yeah. And he sort of said, "Oh, it's one of those places where the prisoners from X Y Z prison, when they get let out, they tend to settle here first. And I went, "Right, right, okay." I guess I better lock my motel door tonight in case a murderer's in town. And he went, oh, no, not murderers, mostly sex offenders. <laughs> so not to worry, not to worry. It wasn't a good night for me to choose to watch Straw Dogs. No, 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 that's, that's quite a confluence of events for a, a nervous sleep. But good gig. Great gig. Great gig. Great gig. And the waitress survived. <laughs> Survived her fall or survived an encounter with a sex offender from Kerrang? It was definitely the fall that I was referring to. I'm glad. I'm glad. Now I'm thinking about the Red Hat Society as a gang in Dandenong. Yeah, I I wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't fuck with the Red Hat. (laughs) Transition! Oh, you have children. I do. I have two of them. You have two children. Yep. How's that going for you? It's going pretty well. We're 11 years in now, so we're getting better at it. But it's, you know, it's an, it's an ever-changing beast. I'm just referring to the general experience of having kids. Not your children themselves as ever-changing no, beasts. No, they really can be. They really can be. <laughs> I mean, one of them's getting a little, a little on the prepubescent side these days. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be happy days ahead, you can tell. She goes from, she just swings, just those normal swings oh, of yeah. just being completely in love with you and cuddling you and then putting, you know, about... An, an extra syllable that lasts for about a minute after she says, Dad. Dad! Just really, just embarrassed. Just, com- You know, I've written a couple of songs for the school concert. My wife, Fiona's written it for our local primary school. So the wife's written the show. I've written a couple of songs. And I can't tell if our eldest daughter is really happy about this or if she's just unbelievably relieved that she's out of that school at the end of this year. Oh, so she's not in it. She's yeah, she ev- is in everyone's it. Everyone's in it. Everyone's in it. Ah. Um and you know there was a bit of conversation between her and her friends. You know, they were thinking that nepotism was going to come into play. Oh, right. And uh we we weren't going to do that. But um yeah, our daughter was copying it a bit from some of her friends saying, "Oh, your your parents are just going to give you the lead role." There is no lead role. It's a school concert. All right. She wrote in about half an hour and she was drunk. No, she didn't. No, the kids are great. Grown up in a showbiz house and they're pretty used to things being weird and schedules being weird. Well, my mum taught at my primary school. Oh, is that right? Yeah, so everybody thought she did my homework. Ah. And the irony... But it's, sort of, it's quite the opposite, really. It is, because I'd, I'd go up and say, Mum, I'm not quite sure how to do this, and she'd go, oh, you're smart enough, go and work it out. And I, so she actually... I have to go and deal with the problem, children. She actively didn't help... That was at home. Yeah. She, that was at home. Yeah. Actively didn't help me because yeah. she was like, you can do this, don't be, you know, don't be stupid, but she, didn't, she never said that. But she but, was thinking it. Probably. <laughs> um, but she's, she still doesn't understand 
how painful that can be um, from other children. She just used to say, oh, you're being silly. Oh, that, isn't, that wasn't a big deal. No, it wasn't yeah. a big deal in your life. Oh, well, God, that's, that's sort of that out there. I won't need the therapy after all because it just wasn't because you said so. Yeah, you know, all the formative moments that you have as a kid, your parents, they don't remember them because it's so rare that something that's really formative for you as a kid is going to be that important to the parent. And I'm really scared of some of the sort of flippant things that I say. I've got a memory of... I was a dirty, dirty child, hygiene-wise. I didn't bathe very much. Hated it. You've really come a long way. I know. Well, <laughs> You, you are know, scratching yourself, as I, I said I am scratching that. myself. Just, <laughs> yeah, there are layers there from childhood. And um, I went through an, an entire week once and I had a shower every day. And I was really, really proud of myself. And I remember standing at the, the top of the stairs in the family home and coming out of the shower and saying to mum, mum, that's I've had a shower every day this week. And dad just on his way to work, you know, so walking past me going down the stairs, said, I've been having a shower every day for 25 years. <laughs> and, I, and I was gutted. Like I just thought, and I still remember that as a moment where I was really proud of myself. And as far as I was concerned, my dad just completely dismissed this monumental achievement of me scrubbing the filth off myself for five days straight. All right, pig pen. You know? So <laughs> these are the things. I'm, I'm sure, I don't know how many of those I must have done by now. Oh, yeah, but and to be fair, they would have had... It would have been a lot harder for, for my parents in 1951 or whatever, what, however, however long ago it was when they were the age that that was happening to me. Yeah. You know, there, there would have been much more... That they were dealing with, you know, Mum had a father who was a war veteran, for God's sake. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And I'm sitting there going, "Oh my God, I can't believe you didn't <laughs> pick me when I had my hand up in class." Yeah, the problems have um, become, what's the word, shittier, <laughs> just not justifiable stuff. A whole bunch of the first world kind. But I get that too, being an aunt, like that weird stage, particularly with girls, you know, when they're going through that sort of. Yeah, the, just a horrible mood one one second and then really funny and great the next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that as well with some of my nieces and some more going through it and you just kind of go, this doesn't make any sense. And then you go, oh, hang on, that was me. <laughs> that was like me all the time. Yeah. So. Fiona was a nightmare. She knows it. Her parents have told her. That's my wife I'm yeah. talking about. And uh, Not just your wife, the, the she... very talented writer and actor as well. But she's mainly my wife. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I won't um, bring it up again. <laughs> no, we, you know, she, she's terrified of our kids becoming teenagers because of her very potent memories of the way she was as a teenager, mm. which was the sneaking out, you know, literally sneaking out the window at night and going and staying at a friend's place and all, all sorts of stuff. And so she's already looking at our seven-year-old with this sort of, you know, beady-eyed suspicion. Like, Don't <laughs> fuck with me. I will not let you be me. It's like, you know what? And if they want to, they're gonna. You find a way. And we were pretty good. All of my friends and we were, we were pretty good kids. We didn't do anything horrific. But yeah, we, no, I was all right. we, I, I had a, oh, look, I had a sort of two, three-year period in my mid-teens where I wasn't, wasn't flash. We, we had, um, I did a, bit, a fair bit of experimenting <laughs> you know, drugs. I've had a few, <laughs> but then again, no, I've actually had quite a few. Um, we, 
Abby, my youngest daughter, I don't even know how this came up, but Fiona said she was she asked her about ice. As in the drug ice, because it's everywhere, because it's, it's, it's and it's been, horrendous. It's being reported on so much. Like, oh, so and it's many just, and it's it. destroying towns. You know, it's just, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's horrible. It's a plague. It's a plague. And, uh, and so she asked about ice, and we gave her the big spiel, as we did, uh, about not doing it. And, and we, and we said, so what do you think you'd do if someone said, like, if a friend of yours said, hey, Abby, Here's some ice, have some. And Abby said, I would just take it and throw the bottle on the ground. <laughs> and who knows what funky designer drug will be around by the time she hits an age where she'll be interested in it. And I don't want to ruin your, your dreams of a bright future for her or anything, but I do remember very strongly saying how disgusting smoking was. Oh, yeah. I, and then I smoked yeah. for about eight years. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. If they if they want to, they're gonna do it. Yeah. 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 So and now I'm depressed. Yeah. I'm gonna join a gang. Yeah, let's start a gang. Start a cabaret <laughs> the, gang, the, the most intimidating <laughs> gang on the streets. Well, we're gonna have to start the dance like the Jets, obviously. Yeah, of course. And then we'll have to change the words slightly to the original West Side Story song so that it reflects our suburban Australian lifestyles. Yeah, mm. and all done in sort of a capoeira style. <laughs> Dance fight, everyone. <laughs> Transition. I was around at my parents' house a while ago. I think it might have even been Christmas. And Jaws was on, was coming on telly. Oh, nice. Yeah, Good yeah. Christmas viewing. Yeah, it was something like that. And I just went, oh, let's put this on because there's so... <laughs> what are you just flicking around the channels? There's Miracle on 34th know. Street. There's maybe Elf. Yeah, it's a wonderful and life. Jaws. Jaws. Woo! <laughs> and, and I was just so kind of... Uh, my family's hard work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's, I haven't seen this for ages. And, and my brother went, oh, I don't know, there's kids, there's kids here. And I was yeah. like, yeah, no, it's not that bad. You don't see anything. You don't see, look, not this bit, definitely not this bit. And then like a second later, the, the small boy gets taken oh, under. And, yeah. and I went, yeah, yeah, but he's under now. It's fine, it's fine. And then I forgot that there was this huge kind of fountain of blood yeah. in the middle of the ocean. And then yeah. the mum's going, Timmy? Or whatever his name yeah. is, trying and to that, find and the lilo washing up on the shore. Yeah, I f- I'd the, forgotten all the, that. The blood, you know, the bloody water washing the shredded lilo up onto the shore. <laughs> and then my brother said, "You're not the one who has to go into their bedroom when they wake up screaming." <laughs> and you smiled and went, "I know." <laughs> they wouldn't call it a lilo in America, would they? What would they call those things? A floatable device. A floatable device. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't done a lot of um, research into the lexicon of various pool accoutrements in the North American dialect. Yep, it's because you're lazy. It's what they say. (laughs) (laughs) But I was thinking the sort of stuff that I used to watch when I was a kid, I got um, tortured by my older, even older brother. Oh, yeah. Um, Amityville Horror was on the telly. So how old were you when you first saw Amityville Horror? Seven or eight. Right. Because it was definitely Wagga Wagga and we That's moved when um, I was nine. I mean, I, came, I turned out fine. Yeah, you're totally fine. <laughs> you're totally fine. But what my brother Leon would do is he would, he would wind us up and get, oh, for the whole thing he's going, oh, this is the bit where this happens. And uh, he'd describe yeah, all something. all the preemptive description of what's about to happen. But he'd do it worse than what actually happened. 
Oh, right. So Deliberately. He was just trying to yeah. destroy you psychologically. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. So here we go. The bit where, um, what's his name's chopping the wood in the yep. front and somebody comes to visit and he turn, he says, oh, watch this, watch this. And then he turns around and he chucks the axe and the axe goes right through the guy's head and it pins him to the tree and then all his arms fall off. <laughs> and so, all his arms. So I'm behind the couch just going, oh, my God. And of course, in the film, he throws the axe and it misses and it hits the tree. And Leon would be like, <laughs> So wow. that's kind of what I grew up with. And I feel like I was actually more disturbed by some of the scenes in Howard the Duck than I was by Amityville Horror. Well, it's interesting. It's interesting what touches nerves, you know. You know what? I really hope I get to meet your brother to see if that's what he sounds like. Fiona, whenever she's... Do saying trying to impersonate her brothers. They always just talk like this, and it's like that's not. They sound nothing like that. But that applies to almost every man she knows as well. Like she'll be describing something that I did at a dinner party to someone else, and she'll say, and then Mike said, "Oh yeah, as if that had happened." It's like I don't. I, no one in your life sounds like that. But that's just her impersonation of the generic Australian male. No, Leon so does. That, he does do a bit of that. Like, that he, is actually Leon. He doesn't okay. talk like when he gets when he winds you up or he's joking. He does get this kind of a. They were pretty entertaining brothers to have. Like I have three brothers. Yeah, so all older. All older. So two sisters, then three boys, and then we're the two little girls on the end. Yeah, and and my eldest brother would. Um, he, he got a four-track recorder. Cool. So in the eighties, and he he made a bunch of Tascam. I don't know. I was too young to be aware of branding at that point. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But he did a bunch of parodies and original songs. He was a songwriter as well. And, um, and he actually made a cassette of really funny stuff. Yeah. Um, Has someone still got it somewhere? No, it's been uh, fucking lost. I, had a, I held onto a copy for ages because yeah. like, I knew this was important before yeah. mini discs, before there was any way, before CDs, before we could yeah. put it onto something else. Yeah. And it went missing. I think somebody who was involved in the project decided that they deserved to own it more, which often happens in families. You go, well, this is a photo of me. That This is the only baby photo of me that exists, so I deserve to own it. Absolutely. And you just sort of don't ask anyone. You just take it. Um, and, and anyway, so that one went missing. It was called Otis Don't Smile No More. And there was, there was a, a, a fake country group called Leroy Jones and the Cowpokers. Nice. Um, which was Leon, my brother, you guys talk like this sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and the guitar slightly out of tune and it was, I mean, it was basically about a, a cowboy who'd lost his dog but whose dog Otis had swallowed his harmonica and the only way that he could find him was by hearing the lonesome sound of... <laughs> Monica oh, <laughs> across the plains. And it's lost to the ages. Nearly, nearly. Oh, nearly. Nearly. And there was there was another great one. He rewrote the lyrics to um, help me make it through the night to help me make it through the door. Oh, nice. And he, <laughs> he sang it. I still remember all the words. It's been so many times on a Casey Bonetto night that I've been like, oh, no, oh, 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 oh let me do it. <laughs> but some of the songs made it onto another cassette and that one was called... <clears throat> And this is a long time before the Sex in the City episode was called this. And I only know that because I looked it up to check. <laughs> the party that never was. And this is when John Howard was still shadow treasurer. Yeah. Right. And it w involved some of the songs from Otis Don't Smile No More. 
remixed, one of which included Leon um, yodeling, she says with air quotations, <laughs> in the background, which pretty much consisted of him whining, for, like in the background of the whole song. Wow. For three minutes. Wow. Interspersed with a mock scene of imagining it, we were actually in a huge hall celebrating my brother's 21st because he never had a party for his 21st, hence the party that never was. And John Howard was the MC. <laughs> and so he roped in all the little kids to just make background noise. Yeah. And we clattered a bit of um, cutlery on various things as sound effects throughout the whole murmur, murmur. You your own foley the whole bit. We did. It was a massive production. Wow. And I had that cassette. I kept it safe for years and years and years. And then someone, my sister-in-law found Tugged it. Tugged over it? No, oh, she found, found it. it and, and just claimed it. Saw, yes. Just claimed it. She's and I still, she might listen to this. And Joe, I want to know where it is because I want to. I I've need, got a USB tape deck in there. You've got to digitize it. I need, we need to digitize it. And the thing is, I would have done it by now. And I don't know where, I don't know if any of this still exists. I never did anything that involved. I do remember one of the first songs I wrote when my mum, who's a beautiful classical pianist, mm-hmm. and um, she bought a, a Clavinova, so an upright electric piano, so that she could play with headphones. Oh, great. And while she was there, she just got talked into, by, she just got upsold by some fancy salesman. So she bought a little Roland DX100, little synth, and a TR808 drum machine. And this was in <laughs> 1987, 88. Mm-hmm. And so me and my best friend at school at the time would come home and make up songs and we were learning French at the time and, and the character in all the French textbooks was called Monsieur Miop. Oh, right. And so we wrote a song about Monsieur Miop and I, the first, the, the opening lyric went, um, Rockin' Miop did a plop and I hate his head. Rockin' Miop did a plop and I hate his head again. <laughs> and it was sort of... Um, you know, not not to uh, not to put too fine a point on it. It was it was really shit, but it was, and it had this sort of this slightly punk vibe. Like we just used one of the one of the, the preset beats in the in the eight oh eight, and then we just pounded away on this synth with with the loudest, most horrible thing we could find. And it's that was also on a cassette, which lasted for quite a long time, and I think it ended up at my friend's house. And now, having recounted that, I really hope it's gone. I hope it <laughs> went in a house fire or something. Oh, it's, it's important to embrace your early work, though, isn't it? Oh, well, what's it, is it called? Ju- juvenilia? It's the stuff that you produce when you're a kid? Juvenilia? I think that's the word. It sounds like a skin condition. <laughs> One of my many words. Um, <laughs> but, like, we were, I got, a, given, a, I got given a tape. A recorder, a tape, one of the little kind of flat tape recorders yep. uh, in the 80s. And I, I recorded radio shows. Nice. By, by Nicholas Parsnips and things like that. I had no idea who Were you the Nicholas... host and the guest? I, I was everyone. You were yeah. everyone. I was the yeah. audience as you well. You were the audience as well. Yeah. Did your own laugh track. <laughs> yeah, I was my own crowd. And meanwhile, I was people always often say, how did you start writing stuff? I was rewriting the Velveteen Rabbit into rhyming couplets from prose. Wow. So that's the sort of stuff I did as a kid. Nicholas, my brother, did it as well. He was recording. 
Oh, they did, they did a thrash punk version of Wuthering Heights about six years before someone released one. And there was some other song about going to the milk bar. That seemed to be pretty important what when we were teenagers. What a creative hub your house was. Yeah, it, it was. It's weird I'm the only one that's doing something consistently. But that comes with its own burden. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Today was a shit fight, can I just say. It was the book parade. Okay. Oh, it's book week. Yeah, it's book week. Mm. So they had to choose a character. And it's bullshit. Like kids are rocking up kids are rocking up as Mario. Kids are rocking up as video game characters. And this is where parents are just abjectly failing their children because that's bullshit. I did have my nephew did go as a manga character, but that was probably in a book. Well, that's it. Yeah, sure. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll accept comics. Sure. Right. Yeah. Why not? Video that's games. Pretty much all I've read as a kid was Tintin, Garfield, and Asterix. Yeah. But youngest daughter decided to go as Pippi Longstocking. Mm-hmm. Now we've done the Pippi Longstocking before for our older girl. You know, um, you coat hang a wire in the hair to get the pigtails yep. poking out on the angles. Stripy stockings. Where things went a bit pear-shaped was the red hairspray. Yeah. Okay, we go, okay, cool. Everything's done. She's ready to go. We've put her little freckles on with Fiona's mascara pencil or whatever it's called. Eyeliner. Uh, eyeliner, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and um, take her into the bathroom, shake the can, start spraying and... It's going well. Her hair's going red. It's doing what it says on the box. And then this sheen of red just descends on the entire bathroom. (laughs) And then it got worse when Fiona started trying to sort of just mop it up with towels. Within the space of about 35 (laughs) seconds, it looked like a really clumsy murderer was trying to (laughs) clean up the scene of the crime. It looked fucking horrendous. (laughs) And then to back that up, Fiona had the equivalent of one of those Pinterest nailed it moments when she tried to put a transfer of a monkey face onto one of our elder daughter's tops. And it ended up looking like it was like a horror movie. Like it was like one of those very typical just cartoon monkey faces. And she fucked it up so royally that our daughter didn't want to wear the top because it was this scary sort of mutant monkey that had been bent into a shape that... And we just thought, oh, can we just just wear your school uniform? Just wear your school uniform, let us be bad parents, go to school and cry a bit and don't worry about it and have that as one of your formative moments. <laughs> By the time we got them in the car, we just thought, fuck. Oh, you know what? We're going to ban reading. I think that's what we're going to do in our house. <laughs> we won't be able to think of anyone to go as. Well, Sorry, I just had to get that off my chest. <laughs> I went as Puss in Boots. That's good. You know, I hadn't read it. <laughs> but but we saw kids rocking up. You know, there was a, there's always a Hermione or two or four or seven. Mm. And, uh, and then I saw one kid who I presumed was probably Gandalf. Now, that's a good one. Yeah. Just a robe and a beard. Hat if you want. Optional. Optional. And a staff, which is just, you just break a branch off a tree on your way to school. We call that a weapon. In, da- in oh. Dandenong. <laughs> yeah, who was it? Someone went as, uh, oh, what's the lead character in the Divergent series? Triss. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Do they have a weapon? Well, she's got a gun, but oh. they, they can't take guns. They can't take toy guns to school. You know why? 
because that's bullshit. That's why. Because <laughs> schools are bullshit. If you can't rock up with your character's chosen weapon to your school, if I'm going to go as Han Solo, I'm taking a blaster. <laughs> you know course. what I mean? Come on. And, and reading, like both our girls love reading, which is a, a, a testament to their mum, who, mm. who's a voracious reader and has always encouraged them. But um, it's become quite a sort of homogenised experience, like at our, our daughter's school. When, when one of them latches onto a, a book, be it Hunger Games, be it Divergent, be it whatever the next fucking slightly dystopian, messed up future thing is, they all want to read it. Because they want, you know, it's a shared experience for them. So homogenised is it? That's a, that's not the right word, but I do, and it, it goes through them like a wave. They all have to read the same book so they can all discuss it. And then by the time they're getting to the second or third book in that series, they're just getting, you know, their their poor little brains are just getting pounded with billions of dollars worth of marketing for the next thing, and they all want to buy it. They all want to see it. They all want to read it. There's not a lot of difference, perhaps, except for the vehemence of the marketing, but between that and, you know, films when we were younger. I know yeah, I, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, I, I certainly had not. friends who were, like one of my oldest friends was very, is a big cinema buff. Mm. And I mean, like classic cinema too. Like, so, so we would, uh, her mother had a book of, of, um, of stars, which their birth dates, we'd actually write in when one of them died. We'd put the year in. Because and just, and just a big X. Yeah, 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 it's Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> Dead. But, but because we were born at a time when there were still these greats of the golden era still yeah, alive yeah. and then they were starting to drop off, um, we sort of had that, that great um, overlap. So we were going backwards to find films and going, oh, we're interested in cinema, so yeah. I haven't seen Lawrence of Arabia yet. I have to see Lawrence of Arabia. And so then when I finally go to see it, it's actually at the Astor Theatre or something like yeah. that. And, you, and they just re-released it yeah. and restored the whole thing and you're just sitting in front of this massive screen going, I just hope I can stay awake. This is a <laughs> film with a fucking interval. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And yeah. that's that's exciting in its own way, but in our microcosm, we'd share that, you know, not which is not dissimilar to that, or a video game, you know. And we try and do that. We we try and do that with music with our daughters. Oh. So when they find something they like, and it's pretty, you know, I mean, uh, pop music today. All right, just um, put my teeth back in. Oh, uh, our eldest girl's a big fan of Pitch Perfect, the Pitch oh. Perfect movies. Did you see the second one? Oh my god, oh my it's god. just horrendous. We've made her backtrack and find out about every song that they, that they destroy actually in that <laughs> film. And so, you know, there are all these mashups and all these, you know, vocal smackdowns. And, <laughs> and so we, we sat down with her and we wrote down every song, every song that's used in the film. And mm -hmm. then we traced, we'd sort of YouTube it or we'd find it or I'd have it and then we'd play the song. And then from that, she's found, you know, a couple of artists that she actually likes. Great. And now she's backtracking through that. And every time she puts a playlist together, she gets half and we get to do the other half. Because we just want her to have, oh, you know, we want her to hear stuff. That that's a good idea. It's basically so we get to listen to our own music in the car, though. <laughs> I think it's not really, it's not trying to broaden it's not, her it's musical not horizons. Altruistic. It's not altruistic. It's not about... <laughs> Culturally enhancing her experience of the world. It's so we don't have to listen to Demi Lovato anymore, oh. ever. I would love to... I really... 
I would love to show my kids some weirder stuff. Stuff that's not just easy and pleasant. So much of what they watch is really easy and pleasant. Even if it's Pixar and it's got layers. <laughs> like I want to, I, I like unnerving them with some of the some of our viewing options. But they're probably too. Not like Saw or... <laughs> I think I'll, I'll hold off on the Lars von Trier for a little while. So the song cycle? The song cycle. Is, <laughs> oh, wow. That's probably about due for a musical. How many have they done now? I don't know. 17. Well, I haven't seen any of them. I've, I saw the first one. I, I think I the got the one. gist from the basic first paragraph of a description of the plot of the first one. Was there a second paragraph on the plot? No, nah, no need. <laughs> no need. Once you feel like... Once you feel like the world's against you, yeah, <laughs> that's when you start listening to music that that uh, that can amplify that feeling. Which was usually what was on it about midnight and on rage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I spent a lot of time with Billy Joel and Elton John as a youngster. Billy Joel's the theme. I've I, I told you off air. I'm a big fan of Declan Fay and Nick Maxwell and the Sweetest Plum, and they had a big conversation about Billy Joel. Recently, and then Becky Lou and I did as well. Yeah. Um, when we were chatting on another episode of whatever this is called, <laughs> and and I was talking to her about how I was a massive Joel fan, and then I hit about fourteen. Yeah. And became incredibly ashamed. I genuinely. I was always ashamed of my music choices growing up. I always just thought I was such a super geek. I used to. I never liked cool music. And well, I think you know. Just, you get to a stage where it's like, I like what I like. It doesn't, it's just personal taste. You know what I mean? Mm. I'm so, so happy to, to put on whatever damn music I want as loud as I want in the car now. And it used to be that if someone would, like if I, if I was stopped at the lights and I'd turn the music down before other cars could pull up. I'd do that. Because I wouldn't want the judgment. I wouldn't want people looking, like, you know, a couple of tradies in a ute. And I'm like, what a word I have cranked up. Like, I've got Joni Mitchell just going off, you know. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, it's fine because... But I, I would never want the judgment. Whereas now it's like I, I, I bait people to judge me. <laughs> it's like, come on. Yeah, I'm doing all the sound effects at the start of Allentown. And I'm doing them <laughs> super loud and really well. And if you want to... If you want to laugh your asses off at me, just go nuts because I'm having a ball. Transition. Sometimes I can be a bit schizophrenic, like if I've had too much to drink. The and you're driving? Before. What? No, the night before, oh, Geraldine, I... and then I'm taking them to school and they want to put a song on and I'm just grumpy, hangover dad. <laughs> you know, dr I reckon drunk dad, I'm an awesome drunk parent. I think I'm really fun. I'm probably never more attentive to my family than when I'm drunk. I love them sick when I'm drunk. But then they pay for it in the morning. Like, no, you can't put a song on. Put your shoes on. Shoes. Shoes. Don't make me say it again. I was yeah. sitting um, at my brother's house. like this. And um, my niece was um, was sniffing my wine. She, they're oh, they're yeah. children. All right. So she's 14 and she does a lot of pick up the glass and sniff it, going, I love the smell of wine. I just went, yeah, but not when it's your only friend. <laughs> oh. And her mother and my oh. other sister-in-law were just trying not to laugh. You just took her straight to the pit of despair. <laughs> well, like then her sister was braiding my hair. 
because they've got African hair. It's like yeah. it's they've got they'd have froze if they didn't have our genes in them, but they've, instead they've got long, like lovely black locks. Yeah, it's yeah. dropped a bit with the Irish hair, but they've got curly, curly hair. So Sienna particularly seems to like braiding my hair because yep. it's straight. Yeah, and I'll just be going, is this is this is this what you're going to do to me when I'm in the home? Are you going to come and visit me and braid my hair? And did she just really casually say, no, not if you're in a home. It's <laughs> gross. You'd probably you'll, shit yourself. And you'll be, be dead smelling. before then, Auntie Jerry. Yeah, you'll be dead before then. The way you're going, you put some really dangerous thoughts in their head and go home. Yeah. I, what, hey, I'm not the one job. who's... I'm having conversations about ice. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. The first conversation we had about ice, we had to explain to her... We had to differentiate between frozen water and the horrible drug. Oh, right. Because she was suddenly really scared of the freezer. Oh, no, really? Yeah. She came home saying, someone was telling us how bad ice is. How it's old? Like, yeah. Is nine? No, no, no. She's seven. Oh, seven? Oh. Yeah. Oh, poor thing. <laughs> yeah. And now she thinks it comes in a bottle. I'm know. heaps more scared of drugs now than I ever have been. I reckon I've taken a lot fewer than you. I was um, at my brother's 40th and I you've seen my last show so you know that I've I've woken up in some places <laughs> with children around and um I woke up on the floor of one of my niece's bedrooms not she hasn't got a number of bedrooms it's just <laughs> my niece's in the west wing bedroom <laughs> one of my many nieces her bedroom yes um and she was in the room and I woke up on, on the line on the floor and I kind of opened my eyes and went, I don't quite remember how I got here. And I looked up and from where I was lying, I could see a photograph, just like, a, you know, the old school printed out proper developed photographs, which because it was from about 10 years earlier, she's 11-ish now. And it was on her wall, in the middle of her wall too. It wasn't just amongst a lot of stuff. It kind of had this... Pride of place. Isolation that suggested mm. the P of P. Yes. And it was me. And I was holding her as a baby. Again, her as a baby I was holding. <laughs> and she was facing outward with a great big Buddha belly and, um, and her little legs pointing out both sides and I'm on one hip because, hey, I'm not using them for anything usually, <laughs> but they're quite good for propping children on. And she had a water bottle that she was sort of had in her, in her mouth like this, two hands around her mouth on the water bottle. And I had a wine bottle up to my lips. <laughs> and I was obviously joking at the time that the photo was taken. But... I don't know how many times I've been in her room since that photo was taken and <laughs> never noticed it until I was hung over on her floor and went, I, I've, I've, I may need to reevaluate some of the choices I've made in yeah. my life. Is this what bottoming out means? <laughs> Is this rock bottom? <laughs> Is that what I've just hit? Nah. I, I don't want to wake up and apologise anymore. <laughs> just... <laughs> That's always good. If sorry is the first word you have to say when you wake up, it's been a bad night. That's so bad. And if it's the first thing you have to say when you wake up, it's the, it's the only thing that comes out of your mouth. And sorry, I I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm just, I should go. Oh, sorry, sorry, uh, sorry. Yeah, except I live alone, and there still is the first word that comes out of my mouth. A lot of times. <laughs> Who are you saying sorry to, though? The mirror. My soul. Your soul. The world. 
The internet. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Getting back online and going, oh, no, oh. sorry. Although sorry. There's, a, there's a little bit of me that does that and gets back online and goes, what's quite fun is as long as I'm not really depressed, if I get a bit silly and tipsy at home, I tend to just get really excited about music. Or other oh, people. that's great. Great. And then you'll just see this string of YouTube clips going, oh my God, this song's <laughs> amazing. Or, I really miss you. You're the best. This person's really talented. So there's a weird bit of my completely non-inept socialness yeah. that c- comes out then that's okay. There's nothing wrong with vomiting out a bit of positivity. Yeah, it's most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> most of the time that's what happens. Um, so that's not, a good thing. So, so that's why when I look at it, I kind of go, no, do you know what? I'm going to let that live because there's nothing that's pe- particularly bad. I don't see why I'm ashamed of being effusive. Yeah, that's nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, but The internet's got enough trolls to go around. <laughs> nice to have someone doing the opposite. But sometimes people do get a bit... Um, you know, a bit funny about you being too positive. And sometimes I've been quite... Because I get very enthusiastic well, about things. Well, that says something about the internet, GQ, <laughs> no, 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 not I mean, about you. No, I mean real people. <laughs> Are real people? Oh, you mean to their face or are we yeah, still talking no, Because when I get quite, uh, like, animated about things, and sometimes people think I'm, I'm drunk and it's like, oh, no, I'm not. It's the same with being clumsy. It's like, no, I'm not. I'm just sober. This is what I'm normally like. Yeah. The alcohol deadens it. <laughs> A lot of the time, or evens it out. It's what's called self-medication. Yeah. But sometimes it's for mania. So I don't actually advise people drink irresponsibly or at home alone. Much. Children. Transition. Kids are just fun. Generally, kids are fun. And, I, yeah, I get very pissed off with... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Parents who sort of seem to have quit fun. You know, they don't want to do things on the ground or in the dirt or anything that distracts them from that fucking phone. I reckon phones in playgrounds should be banned. Like if you're in a playground with a kid, especially your kid, Mm. play with your kid. Mm. It's a playground. Just do it. Be there with your kid and play with them. What about what do we Because you know what? Once you break through that weird thing of going, oh, I'm like a fully grown human climbing on a thing and pretending to be a two headed dragon, once you break through that initial barrier, it's really fun <laughs> to play stupid games. Because we don't get to do it enough. We kind of do because of what we do. Mm. We're we're more than willing to embrace stupidity, but a lot of a lot of a lot of the grown ups aren't. Oh no. And that's the thing with it's funny because I see you and Fiona as two of my exceptions to kind of not liking parents. <laughs> because, pe- because people, and a lot of my brothers and sisters too, because people think if you don't have children at my age, particularly women, that you must hate kids. It's much more often I hate parents. Yeah. Um, because of those, that sort of thing. Yeah. Where I just go, no, no, this doesn't make sense. I find the way that my brother and his wife talk to their children hilarious because because I can make my sister-in-law laugh by basically not even insinuating by flatly stating to her daughter that I have an alcohol problem and I'm probably <laughs> going to die alone <laughs> if I can make 
Her mother laughed at that. <laughs> I think she's a good parent. Transition. Do you want to wrap up? Yeah, cool. Um, but you're easy. You're God, I nearly channeled my best friend Ben then. Who? <laughs> my oh, best friend Ben. Who was at your birthday? Yep. Uh, and said, I love you, man. Yeah, he did. He did because he's beautiful. But he's been saying the same lines and the same jokes since I've met him. <laughs> and when you said you're easy, I just wanted to say I've been told by better women than you. Because that's one of Ben's lines. And he says it all the time. Ideally to men, he says it to men. Because that makes it funnier. I was going to say, I was slightly insulted, but... Yeah. Um, that's your own self-esteem issues aren't my problem. Why do you think I drink? <laughs> <laughs> Probably for really similar reasons to me. <laughs> Substance abuse, explaining methamphetamine to small children, and of course, why it's important to embrace your earlier work. Ladies and gentlemen, cats and kittens, I did tell you Mike McLeish was charming. Join us for episode two of Bang on the Strillers, featuring whoever the hell I decide to edit next. Thank you very much for having me, Geraldine Quinn. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Uh, thanks, mate. Thanks, Leon. 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 He doesn't sound like that. He totally does.